Welcome back to Pas de Deux, listeners. I'm your host, Clara. And I'm your host, Jessica. Today we're interviewing Jenna Lavin, New York City's leading center for complete ballet education, Ballet Academy East, or BAE, recently announced the appointment of Jenna Lavin as principal of the BAE Pre-Professional Division. A BAE faculty member since 2003, Lavin has been teaching ballet to young dancers throughout her career and has choreographed over 20 ballets for Ballet Academy East. Jenna Lavin danced professionally with the Chicago City Ballet, Atlanta Ballet, Los Angeles Ballet, and as a soloist with the Miami City Ballet under the direction of Edward Villela, where she danced principal roles. She began her ballet training with Gabriella Darvish and Jody Fugate, and later graduated from the School of American Ballet, where she studied with such teachers as Alexandria Danilova, yes. Antonia Tumkovsky, mm-hmm. and Stanley Williams. Jenna has worked with numerous choreographers, creating principal roles in ballets by Alonso King, Lisa de Ribeiro, and Stanton Welch, to name a few. Um, just a little bit about Ballet Academy East for our listeners, too. The BAE Pre-Professional Division is celebrated for producing technically strong and artistically expressive dancers who are sought after for their professionalism and ability to adapt to a broad range of styles demanded of today's dance professionals. Alumni include Ariel Rose and Petra Love, Miami City Ballet, Siobhan Howley, Pennsylvania Ballet, Hannah Marshall, American Ballet Theater, and Erica Pereira from New York City Ballet. Again, just to name a few. The comprehensive ballet training is combined with professional caliber performance opportunities. With the vision of inspiring dancers of all ages and levels to achieve their greatest potential, director Julia Dubno founded Ballet Academy East in 1979. It's a long time. Wow. Today, BAE is New York City's leading center for a complete ballet education, internationally recognized for its exceptional training. The school's young dancer, pre-professional, and adult divisions nurture students' physical and emotional well-being, build technical skills, and develop artistry. Thank you so much for being here today, Jenna. Thank you. To get started, maybe you could just tell us about some of the highlights from your performance career where you've danced all over the U.S. with a number of different uh, companies and tell us how you became interested in becoming an instructor. Sure. Well, I danced professionally for 18 years, mm-hmm. so I feel really, really lucky that I was injury-free the whole time and oh, wow, yeah. worked with a few different companies and many, many different choreographers. I would say some highlights for me personally was getting to dance a ballet called Serenade uh, with Atlanta Ballet. And my part in that ballet was called The Russian Girl, which, so there's three principal women in the ballet. And so it was, it's just one of my favorite Balanchine ballets. It's iconic. It's Mm -hmm. completely beautiful and amazing, the music. So that was just an absolute joy to have the opportunity to dance that that big role, um, and I loved that. I would say another highlight was doing the third act of Swan Lake, because that's the very, very famous Black Swan pas de deux, where you have to do the 32 poites on stage. <laughs> so that was that was oh, very, wow. very cool to get through that that whole pas de deux on stage. That was tons of fun. And so you then, played Odette O'Dile yes. and survived to tell yeah, us about exactly. it. Exactly. Wow. Um, <laughs> and then when I was with Miami City Ballet, my very, very first day, joining the company, the rehearsal schedule went up on the wall, and I saw that we were doing a balancing ballet called Divertimento Number 15, which was also one of my favorite, favorite Mm -hmm. balancing ballets that I had never danced, and my name was, you know, not at the very, very top of the casting, but pretty close to the top of the casting, and I was like, oh, it's my first day here, and and I'm going to get, you know, a nice one of the principal women in that ballet, which there are five women principals in that ballet. So that mm. was like very, very exciting for me. And Miami City Ballet does so many performances every year that I actually ended up dancing that part like I would say dozens of times. So that was like pure joy. One more highlight would be uh, in meeting my husband, I, a new ballet was created on us by Stanton Welch, who's oh. now the director oh. of the Houston Ballet in Texas. Oh. Wow! And yeah. this was right before he moved to Texas. Um, he did a piece called Orange. He was working with the Chakra Colors. So he had done Indigo Blue. I think he had done a couple of other, and he was up to the orange. And that ballet was done on my my husband, although I didn't know that we were going to be husband and wife when we learned it. But it it was just a great, great experience, you know, on a personal, obviously, and (laughs) and professional level. It was really fun. So, you know, the teaching, 
I've been teaching really on and off the whole time that I was a professional dancer. First time I taught, I was really only about 18. My first job was with Chicago City Ballet, which was directed by Maria Tallchief, who had been a huge star at the New York City Ballet um, in the 50s and 60s. And she had a company in Chicago, and that was my first job as an apprentice at 17. Um, She offered Mm -hmm. me an apprenticeship, and and I was so excited to get to work with this living legend that um, I moved there and I just don't remember the full details about it but there was, a, there was a class on Saturday morning that the director of the school asked me to teach and this was Maria Tallchief's sister Marjorie who was running the school of the Chicago City Ballet and I don't know why I was teaching it I know it was very early I want to say it was like at 9 or 9.30 and maybe it was hard for them to find somebody to do it on a regular basis but I do remember several Saturdays going in and working with um, young, young girls that were maybe, I would say, eight or nine. And, you know, I didn't really know how to teach yet because I was about 18 myself. But I just slowly, you know, taught them some things at the bar. And, and I just remember really loving it. That was really the first time that, and I had that class maybe six or seven Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the chance to do that, and I just really enjoyed it. The kids were anxious to learn, yeah. and I think it was neat for them to have somebody that was working with the company mm-hmm. teach, so there was like that you know, really nice give and take, and um, I just loved it. I just loved it. And then you know, just throughout my career, people would ask me to teach master classes. Uh, I also danced with Nashville Ballet for one year just for one season and I taught classes there all the time with the school not so much when I was in Miami City Ballet because we had an outrageous performance schedule and all you when you have that one day off a week as a dancer it's really hard to go in and and teach classes for you know hours so I didn't I, I took a little hiatus from the teaching in Miami but I always had it in the back of my mind that it was definitely something that I would want to do when I was done dancing that I could see myself enjoying doing it yeah yeah that makes sense have you always uh danced and taught mostly balancing technique you, you know, not not really. Um, okay. When I joined the Atlanta Ballet, the company was actually very classical. We we did do some some balancing ballets, but we mm-hmm. also did a lot of full length classical ballets. And was um, that under John McFalls? No, that was right before him. Oh, okay. Uh, you actually like, mm-hmm. yeah, good for you. Um, <laughs> no, this was Robert Barnett, who had been a, a, a very famous dancer at New York City Ballet, oh, cool. and he's in his eighties now, and we're still on touch on social media, which is very oh, cool that's to me. Great. Um, yeah. But so Atlanta Ballet was, you know, very classical and mm-hmm. also Balanchine. And we would also do ballets that were done um, in ballet slippers. So you were you able know. to kind of go between Yeah, Mr. Barnett techniques. really wanted, you know, the full the full spectrum of it. And, and I, I love classical ballet. I mean, my training, my early years of training were very classical okay. with Madame Darvash. So I definitely have that in my background. And I have done a lot of tutu ballets, you know, as, as we call them. But mm-hmm. I, I love everything. I feel very fortunate that I was exposed to the Balanchine training and also the classical training. And because to me, it's like they're both just fantastic if done well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And does Valley Academy East kind of teach both to the students? Or we do. Sure they can we do. do. You know, our whole um, goal, the, the faculty, um, the goal is that when a dancer graduates from us, that they can dance any style. That's so cool, especially within ballet, because I find even if people have been educated in like modern and jazz and ballet, um, even at, you know, some of the more serious pre-professional schools, it's always one sort of technique of yes. ballet and that's so great these days to educate them across yes. different yes and I mean things. if when you do get into a company you want to be that dancer that the director feels that they can cast in everything yeah you know you want to be mm-hmm. that person that can do the Paul Taylor piece and then during the 15 intermission get your hair up in a bun get the point she's on come out and do Bikita and mm-hmm. then in the next 15 intermission you you know you change and the last be- program on the ballet is you know stars and stripes you know so you want to be able to kind of fit in everywhere so that you're a very useful dancer I think some kids don't realize that you know and and companies want to hire people like that they the Mm -hmm. director wants 
you on stage as much as possible. But if you show up and you're only able to do one style, even if it's done beautifully, mm-hmm. you've kind of put yourself in a little bit of a box. Yeah. So yeah. we try at BAE. That's really our goal is that the kids can do anything. It's and wonderful. Yeah. We feel like mm-hmm. that's really the best training for them to prepare them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what kind of styles and classes do you expose the students to to give them that well-rounded mm-hmm. performance? Well, you know, we have this really amazing faculty, I have to say, that really gives their all to each student in the room. And each of our teachers has a different background. So, you know, somebody may come in to teach who does have more of a balancing that wants the kids to work on, you know, that technique. But then that may happen in technique class, and then they would have point class after or a men's mm-hmm. class after, and they may have a more classically trained person for point class. So mm-hmm. then they have to, you know, not forget what they worked on in the first class, but switch gears a little bit and now tune in to the next teacher. So it's just the faculty has such a broad background um, that I feel it's really interesting too, because as the kids get older, we have some kids that are with us for, you know, nine or 10 years. They've literally, we watch them grow up. Mm. So it's interesting to see sometimes how, how their style develops as they become, you know, young men and, and young women. Yeah. It's, it's very cool, but it's really just the faculty um, that has such a broad background. That's great. Yeah. And do they kind of, um, make it known that they're doing one technique or the other so the the students kind of understand oh in this class it's more classical so they sort of understand the distinction you know i think the kids just like no i mean like i wouldn't walk into the room and be like today i'm gonna work on like one thing that's very balancing is like turning from a straight back knee yeah like you know so i'm not gonna walk in and like necessarily announce that Mm -hmm. at a certain level when they do start working on that back knee then Mm -hmm. the teacher may tell them you know it's time that we start developing the pirouettes from a straight back knee because we want you to be able to turn each way either way you know um if there's a specific idea that you want to get across to them then it's up to you to sort of figure out combinations that will help them master that okay like if you feel like Mm -hmm. their feet are not pointing um strong enough when they do their jumps when they do their fast jumps like the petit allegro if you notice kind of floppy feet Mm -hmm. then maybe i'll go home at night and kind of think well what can i what can I give them at the bar that will kind of address that so that by the Mm. time they're in the center, um, they've already kind of been working on it, even though they may not realize it. (laughs) Um, And then by the time we get to the jumps, hopefully I've done things leading up to that that will kind of make them aware that their feet are kind of floppy lately and we need to fix that, you know. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So now that you are the newest principal instructor in the program's pre-professional division, do you have a particular vision or overarching focus or differentiation that you now bring to the program? Well, I'm fortunate in that uh, Julia Dubno, who's had the school for 39 years, like how amazing is that yeah. in New York City? And Darla Hoover, who's the artistic director of the pre-professional division, um, they've both been extraordinary mentors for me to me over the last 15 years so I think the vision of the program has kind of been set my role is more to uh, work with the students a little bit more closely and whatever that may be I mean I'm still in the studio teaching which is my you know first passion I'm still in the studio doing ballets on the kids um, a couple of times a year because we have performances in the winter and the spring. So I'm still doing my regular studio work, which is like where my heart is in there, getting all that like work, work, work done. So I am here to just facilitate and to help guide guide the students. I had one of our students approach me a couple days ago. He wanted to have a meeting with me about something. And so I sat with him and we talked through, you know, it, he was, wasn't having a big crisis or anything but he just needed some guidance yeah that's great yeah yeah and students really need that they need that extra level of support and attention because how do we maintain our physical body every day if we're also not paying attention to other things exactly Mm -hmm. and you know it's also really important to us um that the kids are like 
that they're that they're making like the right choices. I mean, they're all good kids. You know, they're all in there working hard. They 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 go to school. They come to ballet. Even the kids that do homeschooling, you know, they still mm. are putting in a whole day. Yeah. Then they come to ballet, and they're responsible for so many classes a week. Then rehearsals start. So I mean, they've learned time management, but we want them to be like the best humans that they can be. Yeah. You know, we we don't. Con- we don't condone any kind of competitive uh, mm. atmosphere. I mean, when you're practicing and you want to be the best and you have these personal goals, it is competitive to begin with, but we encourage the kids to be kind and mm. to be supportive of each other. And, you know, it's interesting because I feel like they really do make friendships that last like forever. And mm. yeah. I don't know if That's that true. really happens at like most other. Yeah. Ballet schools. Our kids yeah. are hugging each other in the hallway. They're helping each other. You'll very often I'll walk down the hallway and I'll see somebody putting an arm around someone. They are really like a family. It's mm-hmm. just beautiful. Like I I didn't have that when I was training um mm-hmm. as a kid. That's not the atmosphere that that I grew up in. And I yeah. think most people are a little bit like surprised. Like they really really do love each other it's it's really almost like a sibling uh thing that goes on it's lovely wow yeah that's so wonderful to focus in all of those different ways on i guess like um just the whole person Mm -hmm. because i think ballet is so spiritually rewarding and uplifting but it it can also take such a spiritual mental toll on you in addition to all the other stressors stressors in life i mean at whatever age you are three years old on up for most of us like you're in that studio taking on as you put it the responsibility of um, class every day and perfection really so you're looking in the mirror and dancers have you know a habit of seeing everything that needs to be fixed you know things that aren't that don't Mm -hmm. aren't quite perfect yet and so Mm -hmm. you know it's nice to always feel like you have a friend nearby you know that kind of will pull you in a little bit and be like stop you know, like yeah. you look beautiful. Like I love watching you, you know, do that role or I love watching you in rehearsal tonight because it was so beautiful. Like they really do speak that way with each other. That's great. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 And I think um it says a lot about the culture that you mm-hmm. and the studio owners and artistic director is creating. Culture really is everything. Yeah. It affects yeah. the way people relate to each other and yeah. Also how they perform yes i agree Mm. i agree and the faculty as well like we really we really love the kids like i said a lot of them are with us for many many years so you kind of watch them grow up and you feel like you really know them like for instance just this past summer we had a young lady who decided that uh she is going to stop even though she wasn't ready for graduation yet Mm. because of the strenuous school year that she was about to start, which has now started for her. She got into a very good school mm-hmm. and she just was like, I can't continue doing this because it's, it's just not, it's going to be too much for me. Yeah. And she came to, she came to give me a hug and it was her last class. And she said, you were my first teacher. And we both just wow. started like we both, I'm getting teary eyed now. Yeah. So it was so sweet. And yeah. so sad. It is. Yeah. You spend you know, so much time And then time you're like so proud of them and you're, you're, you're like, oh my gosh, like. I was. And, like, mm-hmm. I remember you when you were seven. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. so it's very cool. Yeah, yeah that's great. Such yeah. a, a great experience. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Out of curiosity, mm-hmm. because there's so many things, especially in a dance studio where inherently, you know, there are roles to be had in ballets. And, and you are watching each other go across the floor mm-hmm. and evaluating how well you're doing and how well someone else is doing. Um, and in keeping with that culture that you're creating, I'm curious if you guys have any particular like approach to things like casting and who moves into what level. And mm-hmm. is there even is there an, a process where you have to be accepted to get into the school or anything like that? Yes. So we only mm-hmm. accept students by audition. Okay. Um, we do have a primary division, um, mm-hmm. which is children entering first grade. So they are normally like six years old. Um, And I'm actually teaching that this year for the first time. I've added that on to my schedule. I'm really enjoying it. The kids are completely adorable. And, you know, they have their own, like, very set syllabus. We're trying to get them ready for level one. So primary, you do not audition for. Your parent can call and say, you know, I have a 
six-year-old that loves to dance in my living room. Can she come in and take class? Mm. And they come once a week. It's, it's an introduction to a more serious training ground. It's not running around the room, you know, being right. butterflies. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. But, you know, they are six, six and a half. And so they do have a very strict set curriculum that mm -hmm. we teach them. For the pre-professional division, you do have to audition. It's by audition only. Mm. Um, so that's how you get to enter the program. And you don't have to, it's open at every level. So we have three auditions a year. Mm -hmm. And some kids will join us in level one. Other students will join us in level three. Somebody may come in that's moved here and they're 15 and they are, you know, in the, at that advanced level and we may place them in level eight. It just mm. depends on what your pre previous training was. And as far as casting, that's, I would say, pretty much 100% done by the choreographer. Okay. Uh, we bring in choreographers every year to do new ballets on the kids. And they will come and they will observe, you know, a class or two, however long they want to, to do their casting. So uh, when a choreographer comes in, they will usually use levels seven, eight, nine. That's like our advanced divisions and they do their own casting so sometimes it's kind of cool because they'll pluck somebody out and you know do this beautiful ballet on them and kind of bring something out of that student that maybe hasn't necessarily had that opportunity before mm. so that's usually how that how that works with with the ballets for the performances Mm -hmm. That's so special, yeah. especially having the choreographers come in so they work with multiple different yes. choreographers. Yes, mm -hmm. and it's and it's and we like them to have that exposure to yeah. somebody may come in and have a very specific choreographic style. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's all, you know, balletic, but it could be a little bit more contemporary. Mm -hmm. It may not be in a tutu, you know, and so the kids have to be able to adapt to that like very mm -hmm. quickly. Yeah. Because when you're standing there and of course I remember this as a as a, a former dancer, the choreographer gives you a sequence and they want to see it done like yesterday like mm -hmm. full out with feeling yeah. you know they don't want you asking questions like was that this was it this no they just they want to see it they give you the combination and they want it done oh and they gosh. want it to look what what they're envisioning yeah. so it's it can be stressful you yeah. know but the yeah. kids they need to experience that too and 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 I think that they they get very excited you know when somebody comes in it's always like very excited and I think that they love it. I mean, they always look fabulous on stage. The yeah. faculty sits there in the audience like, you know, what we're doing is clearly working. You know? yeah, and they yeah. seem able to adapt to each choreographer that comes in. That's great. Oh. You know, so, yeah. yeah, it's very cool. And increasingly, a lot of ballet companies are bringing in more contemporary choreographers. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you're also bringing in some contemporary choreographers. Do you have a certain approach to preparing students for more of a contemporary repertoire? Or, You know, they do have a um, modern class uh, mm -hmm. once a week. And they're... Their modern, the modern faculty is, is wonderful. Jamie Ray Walker is with Paul Taylor Dance Company. And I actually danced with Jamie in Miami City Ballet. We were in oh. Miami City Ballet together. Oh, wow. And she moved up here with this dream to be in the Paul Taylor Dance Company, and she made it all happen. And she's our oh. modern teacher. And uh, when, when Jamie's not there, they have Mr. Amos Mechanic, who's also really beautiful, big long legs big tall guy dancer from Alvin Ailey I believe um, mm. who's great so the kids do have that modern mm -hmm. training once a week which is like done barefoot you know yeah. which is different very different for them choreographers that come in do not have them barefoot we don't quite go that contemporary uh -huh. but there have been ballets on point that have been very mm -hmm. not traditional at all Mm -hmm. So by having the modern class, I guess, is one way. Um, but, you know, when you have good, solid training, you can kind of steer away and do something more contemporary and look really good doing it. You know, when, you've, when you're a strong dancer, when you've got that technique down, um, you, sh you can usually handle um, what a choreographer needs you to do. Yeah. You know, and very often yeah. a choreographer wants a certain feeling from the dancer like they tend to pick people that almost um, emotionally can express uh, what they're doing so that comes into play as well 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's always um, it's always cool to see the kids do something that's a little bit out of their comfort zone. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Well, it makes sense if you balance um, strong ballet training and strong modern training. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there are many other techniques in between and many other things people are doing these days in it in an explorative fashion. But I think having those two ground works, you could pretty much yes do anything because they kind of treat they kind of teach you to hold your weight or use your weight differently. And so you can take more risks if you have that solid modern technique. Exactly. And I think that's that's why Darla and Julia have kept that. It's just Mm -hmm. one class a week. You know, Mm -hmm. they do like many more ballet classes, but it is, you know, that one day a week. Um, And then the younger, the younger levels also have character class once a week, Oh, which is like the traditional Russian, you know, folk dancing, which has very nice, like upper body and carriage to it. And, Mm And different rhythms, too. And so they also have that class once a week also. Mm. So I think, you know, all that kind of has provided a really a re- very well-rounded uh, dance education. Oh, that's for great. The kids. Yeah. yeah. So every teacher kind of has their own um, style or approach or things that they're always obsessed with or looking yeah. for. Mm-hmm. Um, In our experience as students. (laughs) (laughs) What would that be for you? Or what are those things that you're like, oh, I have to see this in my students. And if I don't, it drives me crazy. (laughs) (laughs) This I've been asked this question so many times and I just it's so hard for me to answer. Hmm? I just I feel like I want to make sure that, of course, they are technically doing everything correct. I mean, I want the tight fifth position. You know, I want the passe, you know, up high with the knee side. I want the legs turned out when they're up in the air and, you know, the nice pirouettes and the fast light jump. I mean, I want all of that stuff that you strive for on yeah. a daily basis. But I'm I am also quite interested in the upper body and and I do I it it does get a little under my skin when, when we're in the center and say we're doing a simple tendu combination in quasi and I see them almost facing straight on fosse mm. to the mirror. Like I, I do explore the upper body, not so, not with the younger ones, you know, that has to be very technical. They have to learn how mm. to use their turnout muscles and hold their turnout muscles. But this is more with the advanced kids that I'm talking about mm. to make sure that they really are following that hand so that they're not dancing like two dimensional. Does that Absolutely. Make sense? Um, you know, with the lower levels, it's all technique. I mean, they've got to have everything from the waist down. It has to be as perfect as we can ex- mm-hmm. executed every class. So that's very simple. You know, I'm, I'm, there is an artistic content to it and they have to be musical and be on the music. But with the older kids, I, I do sort of explore the upper body. Yeah. I would say I try to have at least to have them think about it. Right. Have right. you noticed that they um, are more aware or has have you noticed, generally speaking, any trends? Like, is it difficult to get them to constantly focus more on a pommel and You know, no. Style? I mean, like, they're so good. I mean, I feel mm-hmm. like if I say to them, you know, uh, Tombe Potterbury glissade, soda shot, you know, try and look to the right and then to the left and then the glissade and then the jump, you can look front. And they, they do it. Like, they're very, I think, used wow. to each teacher what each teacher says, they, I, I honestly feel like they're trying to do their best to do what I'm asking of them, you know, on that particular day. So Mm -hmm. no, I don't really feel like anyone is like not focused. I mean, these kids are so professional Mm -hmm. and their last year at the school is that's that time when they're doing all of their company auditions and some of them decide that they want to explore the college option. And so it's, the stakes are kind of high and you, you know, you yeah. don't realize how fast time goes. I mean, they'll turn around and all of a sudden they're 16 and it's like, I remember when you were like eight yeah, <laughs> and now you're crazy. what? Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's crazy. Well, so I think whatever you tell them to do, I think they honestly feel like we're just trying to help them like dance and look the best that they can. Mm-hmm. They, they, I would say 98% of the time they'll turn around and, and do it. That's amazing you to know, be so moldable. That and the trust them. is the trust is definitely there. Yeah, um, I love that you pull out that element, the Ma, because, um, and it might relate to my next question about artistry too. Uh, the one thing that really bothers me as an audience member, mm-hmm. I've 
finally realized always comes down to um, port au When I'm not feeling connected to a dancer, mm. or I'm not feeling emotion coming from them, or they just seem too technical and they aren't expressing like the character a for me. There. Yeah. Yeah. It's always because um, because of their port de bras. So yeah. I think it's like really the most important thing, and especially with the head and the, like yes. following the hand is just so. And I know what you mean. It's like they're mm-hmm. going through the motions, and yeah, the arms are where they're supposed to be, mm-hmm. but you don't feel that energy pulsating through their arms and their a pommel in the yeah. same way it does through the rest of their body and technique. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they, but yeah, they've lost that connection yeah mm-hmm. it's like ballet teachers are always always telling you to like pretend you have a diamond necklace on or something yes. like put your heart forward and it's yes. there's a way that some people can do that that i think comes from training and thinking a lot about the port de bras and a way that other people just don't because they might be going through the motions but it's usually the head it's not like following in exactly the right way yes and so well, and I think sense. it's also, and I, I tell the kids this, it's important to show the audience different angles of mm. your your head. You know, mm. they don't really understand what they're looking at. They just think that you're like um, this amazing goddess. You know, yeah. they don't know the technical stuff that's happening um, with your legs and your feet and your turnout. Their, their eye, unless you know what you're watching, it does go to the upper body. Mm-hmm. And so the most interesting dancers, I feel like, are usually the more musical dancers, but also the dancers that show the different angles of their head and their shoulders and their back. And all of their port de bras has to come, you know, it always has to come from your back. Yeah, You can't have your arms moving and not have your back involved because it doesn't have the same sort of reaching quality to it, the same length to it. Yeah. So I, I do talk to them about that because... You know, they have to go to all these auditions and and try and get a job somewhere. And there has to be an element to them that that stands out. When you're in a room with a hundred other girls and everyone's about the same age, um, you need to have something that puts you apart from everybody else. And maybe you could be a better dancer technically than everyone else in the room. But if you don't have a special quality or a special musicality, they may not notice you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We try to really enforce them that they have to be themselves, but that we want to get a sense of who they are, you know, through their art, like through the craft of this. You know, it's not mm-hmm. just standing in fifth position and not moving your eyes and staring straight front. There has to be some warmth to their to their work. Yeah, and I really love how you say, "Oh, they don't really know what you're doing technique wise, so they're just going to the look audience. at your yeah, your apomol and your yeah. chest." Yeah. That's so I funny. I kind of wish it was described to me that way as a student because maybe I would have been way more focused on positioning my expression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. The audience really, I mean, there's maybe a handful of people out there that know how technically hard this is. The audience appreciates it, sure, but there's very few people that know that that was a glissade or that that's called yeah. a PK arabesque or look at her on day or pirouette. That was spectacular. I mean, most people don't yeah. don't yeah. know that. You know, mm-hmm. they want to feel that connection. So yeah. it's very important for me. And I try to explore that in the ballets that I do for the kids. I didn't realize it at first. So my husband brought it to my attention years ago. And he said to me, you know, you're so musical. But more than that, you're really helping the kids feel this musicality. And just mm-hmm. the way you have them look at each other, or it's sort of making them, like, use their ma probably differently than what they do every day and he's like they look so great like they look like these little professional like dancers you yeah, know that's great so i do definitely explore that in the choreography and um you know from what i see the the kids love it they love that yeah how do you develop musicality <laughs> well musicality i mean so you're in you're in class even when you're little even our level ones that are you know 6 7 years old they have to do the step on the music you know, they learn to count mm-hmm. the first four count preparation at the bar, five and six and seven, take the bar on eight. You mm-hmm. know, some teachers count one, two, three, four, but they have to be on the music from the first class. So I think the musicality does sort of develop as with them. Now, there are some students that are more musical than others, but, you know, you just keep working with them. My my thought process and my gut reaction is, this dancer is young and they have years ahead of them. We have to kind of stay on her a little bit because she does sort of like to 
make everything go a little slower. You know, maybe if we work on her, it being sharper or so there are some students that do need a little coddling with that. And, Mm -hmm. but um, in general, it's kind of ingrained in the training to be, to be musical. We have live pianists for every class. Sometimes in the performance, we will have live musicians as well. Mm. And so I think everyone ends up like if you saw our advanced class, I think everyone ends up being pretty musical. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's great. Yeah. When we were going to ask about how you actively develop artistry artistry in the dancers, because Ballet Academy East is known for that on some level. Um, And I think you already kind of started answering. And I just love that it has to do with really instilling in them that dancing is an opportunity to be and express yourself, not to kind of hide yourself. Yes. Really wonderful. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And also through the performance opportunities, because we really Mm. put on professional caliber performances. And the kids, you know, they they really rise to that occasion beautifully. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, artistically, that's what the performance, this is their chance now to, to shine. Yeah, and it can make such a big difference. I know for me, I never really performed the same way in the studio and on stage. Mm-hmm. It just it, you get on stage and something changes. Well, so. it's interesting because some people are very, you know, they do their work in the studio and they're excellent at it, and then they go out on stage and they sort of like they like blossom, and we're like, yeah. wow, like we didn't really realize that she was going to do, you know, all that. And then other people, you see it in the studio, and there's just this quality that comes out so naturally, and then they get on stage and they look you know, even, even more beautiful because they have on the <laughs> costume and, and they're performing. And, and then there are other people that may need a little bit of guidance with that, that are maybe a little bit more timid in, mm-hmm. in letting themselves shine, yeah. you know? So it's, it's interesting to kind of watch the different variables in there as far as the kids go. But I think the ones that have been with us for nine years, 10 years, 11 years, they've kind of grown up performing. Yeah. And they're, they're really fun to watch on stage. They're, they're good, good performers. And I think it's from having to do ballets every year. Yeah. How many do they do every year? The advanced division in one performance, they usually have, I would say two, sometimes they're in three ballets. Mm -hmm. It just depends on what the program is. Okay. The younger levels will be in in one piece, and but you know this requires a couple of months of rehearsal. Yeah, I mean the older kids are quite busy with this because the ones that have to do three ballets like that's a lot. That's like being a oh professional dancer. Yeah, you know, so that takes it takes a lot of work, and it's also interesting to watch them during the rehearsal process because things evolve then too, and you sort of see the artistry. In the beginning, they're, like, learning the counts and, like, trying to, like, master the nuance of it. And then as the rehearsal process goes on, you see them sort of relax into it and they find the coordination and the steps. And then they are free hmm. to, like, explore the upper body a little bit more. And and also it has to be what the choreographer wants expressed in that mm-hmm. piece. Yeah. These are such great opportunities for mm-hmm. young students. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Have you seen people undergo a certain transformation at different times? Like maybe they, I remember from my own dance training, there are certain, there were certain like things physically I just couldn't do, even mm-hmm. details like holding my back properly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then one day I would just feel it pop into place or mm-hmm. like with expressiveness. I think I like really had a hard time with that until I took at a certain studio for a few months and that helped me open up expressively. Like, have you seen somebody not be able to do something and then kind of go through a process and get it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. sometimes you'll see them and that light bulb will, will go off and, and then it's, you're just like, Oh my gosh, like they, like I just saw their light bulb, you know, go off. So yeah, I mean, there's different breakthrough points. You know, it's interesting too, for me, when a student comes to us who is, who has already been training somewhere for say six or seven years. Yeah. So they, maybe they moved to, to the city and maybe they're 14 or 15 and they enter, they do the audition and we accept them. It's interesting to, to notice them as they are learning our syllabus, which really addresses like pure technique and turnout and strength. It's very cool, I think, because they're at that age where they can pick up so, so fast faster than when you're like seven, right? Hmm. So 14 or 15 year old, they're, they're learning this syllabus. And they're just so getting it so quickly. Wow. Like the technical improvements in those kids are just 
so fast that, I mean, we'll see, you know, somebody will start with us in September and by June, it's like they're a totally different child. Wow. And it's just like, wow, like they really came and took full advantage of every teacher's corrections and took full advantage of the syllabus. And we encourage them when they can to take like a lower level class. Mm. So to go back in time a little bit, you know, so they'll come in to say a level three class. And most of our most of our level three students are. I would say nine years old, maybe a few are 10 years old. Mm. So, you know, if you're 14 and you go back in time to what the nine, 10 year olds are doing, it's, it's actually a really hard class. And they'll usually look over at me and be like, why did I come in here today? Like, this is, (laughs) this is so hard. They're doing like all these fondues on one leg, Miss Jenna. Oh my gosh. This is like, this is like as hard as my, this is harder than what my regular class is, but Mm -hmm. it's an, it it enables them to, to sort of look at their tondus. Am I really churning out Mm -hmm. my tondus as much? You know, I'm really not like my old teacher didn't, wasn't really stressing, Mm -hmm. you know, heel forward, toes back and I think I can do more you know with that and and they really they they learn it it changes them it changes their bodies and and yeah. their work wow um, it's really really cool wow. when that kind of age level joins us and they sort of revisit former training it's it's great yeah. I, I love that um, because yeah. our little ones I mean you can go up to a seven-year-old in the hallway at BAE and you can say to her or him explain to me how to do tondu to the back and they'll Mm -hmm. look at you and they'll say you start with the toes (laughs) and you point right behind your spine and the knee has to be straight and your back heel has to be pushing down and you have to keep your seat in the whole time and your stomach has to be really strong and then you have to pull that heel into fifth and they already know and they're like seven wow and you're just like okay you know but wow someone else joining us later maybe didn't have such detailed Mm -hmm. training in the Mm -hmm. very very beginning so you know they may very well be a lovely dancer but just like i said in revisiting that it just it it makes everything better that's great for them for sure yeah wow yeah and i'm glad that you have that focus going back to a very basic technique yes yes so important it also occurred to me, too, you said it earlier, but now I really value the importance of it to have teachers from different backgrounds and different approaches and techniques and styles that really does build a lot of strength in the dancers because they're not just receiving the same kinds of corrections or yes, the, exactly, same, exactly. the same steps, really, that is really so important. Yeah, so true. And I love that it sounds like you guys are approaching it in such an organized or strategic fashion because like I had a lot of different teachers with different techniques and different styles and things, but it was it felt like more of a hodgepodge rather than something deliberate. You could never count on everyone mm-hmm. at every age you know, every year having the same knowledge at the same time right. because they could have had different teachers whereas you guys sort of it sounds like strategically gives them different teachers and different techniques, but make sure that there's some kind of like through line where they'll all have the same basics yes. at the same time. Yes, that's exactly what we try to do. And yeah. it seems to be working really well. Yeah. So. <laughs> exciting. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And it just sounds so exciting to watch people go through that transformation too. Oh, it is. It mm-hmm. is. And we're, we're so proud of, of all the kids. Like, yeah. like I said, it's, it's so important to us that they are good people and good human Hmm. beings and that they're kind Hmm. and compassionate and they have empathy and it's so important. You know, we, we really expect them to carry that with them as they leave the school, whether they become dancers or um, go to college. We have some, some students that dance through college Mm -hmm. and then seek employment after that. I mean, whatever their own personal path is, they know that we're here to, you know, support them. But we're, we're really, really proud of, of all of them. They're all unique individuals to us. Wow. Great. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And just so amazing to cultivate those particular virtues because they might be lacking in a lot of people in this world who might unfortunately come from a more competitive environment. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're sending mm-hmm. people out into the dance world prepared to, like, really add value in multiple different ways and make it a better place yeah, for that's, everyone. That's, that's the there. plan. Yeah. That is the plan. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I imagine students come from all over the city. Mm-hmm. And are all there... over the country. We, oh, have, we yeah. have international, some oh, international wow. kids as well. Oh, okay. that's great. Yeah. Wow. Um, do you offer outreach opportunities or 
opportunities to provide students who may be interested in entering early on an opportunity to join your studio who may not otherwise financially be able to? We do. We have we have a boys uh, scholarship, a male scholarship uh, mm. program. So you know it's usually reserved for boys entering second grade, third grade, which is like our level one level. But we also do have a scholarship program for the older boys as well. And we have kids come from, right now we have a student from Canada who was just awarded the other day the David Howard Foundation Scholarship. So we're especially proud of him. Brazil, Australia, this year we have a student from Australia. Um, So really, yes, and all across the, the country, kids that have moved here from California, from Georgia, from mm. New Orleans to, you know, to come and train at our studio. Yeah. Is there housing at, for them attached to the, to the studio there, or do they move we, with the families? We have a, a Ballet Academy East apartment and, oh. and that will house, wow. um, it usually houses three of our older male students because okay. they are coming here usually from a different uh, country and without their family as in mm. we do not have like a dorm building okay maybe one day maybe you never know <laughs> that would be great yeah that would yeah. be great and we've be we exciting. every year i feel like people at people are asking us you know we have a two-week summer intensive and so oh. some people will come and that's also by audition but we have many students in that intensive that come here from from different cities and mm-hmm. and I do hear that question a lot every summer. I will have people come up to me and say, do you have like full year housing because my daughter is really loving the two weeks here? Or, you know, is there any kind of housing available in the city? And there is, I mean, we've had kids stay at the 92nd Street Y, which mm-hmm. is about a block away from our building. So mm-hmm. that, that is like one option. But, you know, it's it's difficult. Like, you're you're leaving your, your family. Like, you have yeah. to be, I think, a little bit older to sort of take that on yeah. successfully. Yeah. Of um, course. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's hard to leave home at 12, 13, 14. Yeah. It's, it's, we have kids, though, that travel in. We have a couple of beautiful advanced girls that come in from all the way from uh, Huntington, Long oh. Island, every six days a week. Well, yeah. What is that? Com- you know, that's you, an that's hour and a half, an, an hour, hour and 45 yeah. minutes oh, one yeah. way. Especially to the Upper East Side. That's definitely an hour and a half. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So wow. They're, they're, Good for them. Yeah. We've had we awesome. had a student from Austining. She would drive in every day. I mean, it's, you know, when you have that goal in mind, then, you know, you just you go for it. Oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and with New York, I mean, if you take the Long Island Railroad, you can yes. do homework while you're on. And so, I'm sure that's what they do. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm they sure. do, just to stay alive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Exactly. I had one question that might be just totally from left field, and it's fine, but we'll just give it a try. So I was just thinking, you know, you're a female occupying a very high-level non-dancing position in a large dance organization, and um, we've been hearing a lot of talk lately about there's been a lot of conversations mm-hmm. happening about um, females not being represented as much in positions like artistic directors or even choreographers, higher level positions other than dancers. Um, and I'm just curious, do you think women in any sense have like a duty to pursue am- more ambitious positions once their dancing careers end? Um, or will it maybe come about naturally that more women rise to positions? You know, I think, I think, I mean, I'm hoping I have a I have a hunch that it will happen um, naturally. Yeah. You know, there and there are there are some amazing women directors out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Paris Opera Ballet, Ariel Dupont. Mm-hmm. I'm probably saying her name incorrectly. Um, you could French it better than I can. Um, <laughs> Maybe. French <it> up. <laughs> you know, Monica, Monica Mason was the director of the Royal Ballet, I think, for I, I want to say like 20 years Um and Lourdes Lopez, Miami City Ballet, hmm. uh, Julie Kent, the mm-hmm. Washington Ballet. Um, right. She was; a, they were both very famous dancers here in New York. Yeah, of course. Um, Charlotte mm-hmm. Ballet as well has a woman director, uh, Hope Muir. I'm mm-hmm. just thinking of these off the top of my head. Also, um, Tamara Rojo, who's the um, English National Ballet. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there are you know some very wonderful female mm-hmm. directors out there, and. I remember reading, I think it was late spring, that American Ballet Theater was going to be doing a female 
choreographers initiative mm-hmm. where they yeah. would have like three yeah. three female women come in every season to do ballets which I thought was amazing so I think it was Jessica Lang I want to say yes. Lauren Lovett who's Lauren with Lovett. New York City Ballet yep. and mm-hmm. also Stephanie Bland okay. is her name I don't I don't know her work but I'd be curious to see so that's 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 pretty awesome yeah. that's that true they're committed to every season having three female and we've had we've had at BAE we've had uh, Claudia Schreier who I think is also going to be doing something for ABT Studio Company she's a wonderful choreographer we've had her come in and work with the kids Lisa de Robert, mm-hmm. um, who was in New York City Ballet we've had come in Emery LaCroon who's also a, a very busy female choreographer so Margot Sappington who's done many ballets and then of course there was Twyla Tharp I mean so there has been some pretty amazingly talented people out there doing these ballets and directing companies. I think that um, that it will naturally continue Good. that way. I, I hope so. I think it's time. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. You know, I think the time is, is here yeah. for that. Good. Is there anything else that uh, you would like to mention that perhaps we did not cover or things you've had on your mind recently about ballet and dance? Oh my gosh! Things I've had on my mind. Well, right now I'm I'm searching my archives of music because we have performances coming up March one, two, and three. So the kids will need to start rehearsing for that in January. So I, I'm already searching <laughs> for music, which usually takes me a good few weeks to find just the right thing. And so I'm I'm always super excited to start that. I I love choreographing on the kids. It's just so much fun yeah. for me, and they enjoy it. And so. There's those shows that we we have at New York Live Arts. That's March mm. 1, 2, and 3. And then at Hunter College in the spring, May 31st, June 1st, and June 2nd, we have our spring our spring performance. So we're just busy, busy, busy. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys do an, a Nutcracker or December? We do not like do that? a Nutcracker. We do okay. have a choreography program that we started, and Alan Heinlein from Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet comes mm. into New York to direct that. And it's actually a really cool program. So three of our advanced students get to choreograph a ballet, and three kids at Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet choreograph. And then one da- one of those ballets is picked, and the kids swap. So oh, our wow. BAE student will then travel to Carlisle and work with the kids there. Mm-hmm. And the Carlisle student will come to New York and rehearse our students in, in their piece. So it's like a joint collaboration wow and that we do our studio performance of that in november so they're going to start yeah. they're going to start uh working on that in the next couple of weeks so yeah mm. well it's very cool keep us updated i know I, I would really love to see your students perform oh, after sure. speaking with you yeah, and that'd be i'm great. sure our listeners will mm-hmm. too yeah thank you so so much thank for you. speaking with us today sure thank you